Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 3, A Clean Slate. Mary, what happened this week? Donna found a new roommate to replace David, and guess what? It's Claire. Kelly's like, no fucking way, but then immediately after, she's like, fine, you can live here. Only problem is, this girl snores like a lawnmower. Kelly and Donna confront her after a sleepless night. Claire says the only time she doesn't snore is when she's with a guy, so Donna buys her an inflatable man to sleep with. Problem solved. (laughs) Which is, like, honestly the weirdest thing that I could have ever heard in my life is, like, I don't snore as long as there's someone else in the bed with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, that makes me think she has more insecurities when somebody is in the bed with her, so therefore she's conscious of not snoring and therefore not actually getting a good night's sleep so is claire okay (laughs) claire Claire is decidedly not okay yeah i feel like she just needs to lay at a certain angle to like get the airflow smoothly through her nose or just get like an air purifier or something or a humidifier or whatever it is that you need to accurately help your she just needed a pillow to snuggle or that (laughs) you just need a literal man (laughs) no yeah like let's Let's think this through. She, you know, comes over. They're like, okay, fine. You can live with us. You know, we'll talk about that, whatever. And then she snores really loudly the first night. They record her, (laughs) which is wild. And then the next morning she's like, no, I don't snore. And then they're like, yeah, we have proof. And she's like, okay, fine. I snore really badly. Yeah. She's like, I have receipts. Trust me. (laughs) And then she says... She's tried hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. and, like, tapes that you order off of infomercials. And, yeah, I was like, what about Breathe Right strips? Yeah. Or getting your sinuses checked out for, like, a deviated septum. (laughs) What about an extra pillow? (laughs) Yeah, literally. Could all be solved by an extra pillow. But, no, she needs a boy in the bed with her. Which, in this episode, only serves to bring up Brandon and the fact that, like, they have a history. And by a history, I mean, they don't. They really don't. I will say that it was one of my favorite things when Donna's like, I found a new roommate. Kelly's like, oh, does her name happen to be Claire? Mm-hmm. And then they go out and Claire is like, you know, I'm not interested in Brandon. If you want to know the truth, he was kind of lousy in bed. And Kelly says, how would you know, Claire? You've never slept with him. She goes, I know. That was so lousy. What was so lousy about it? <laughs> Which, funny. So funny. Maybe not enough for me to be like, okay, fine, you can live with me even though you have a thing for my boyfriend. Yeah. But funny. Well, and also, like, from what we know about Claire, is she's a bit manipulative, or at least can be, and a little bit diabolical. So it's like, even if she claims to not have feelings for Brandon anymore, I wouldn't 100% believe that if I were Kelly, just knowing what I know about her. I honestly don't 100% believe she's actually snoring. Oh, interesting. I think she might be faking it. Oh, boy. Have we conditioned ourselves to just think, like... (laughs) Nothing is real. Everything's fake. A spade is not a spade. It's also everything else. Right. I mean, like, think about this idea. Like, we know that Claire is, like, a little bit manipulative. The end of the last season, she and Lucinda, like, when last we saw Claire, she and Lucinda were presumably plotting together Mm -hmm. so she gets herself in with donna gets invited to live at the beach apartment pretends that she snores really bad to let donna and kelly fix her problem 
make several like jokey comments about Brandon to be like, don't worry, though, I'm totally over him. And then they buy this blow up doll that she's just going to like throw off into the corner and then stop playing the fake snoring at night. Right. Like, and we have to see that happen, like, because the viewer needs to know something that Kelly and Donna don't. So, yeah, like, the first night she sleeps with Mr. Man. (laughs) And then, yeah, we just see her, like, stashing it away and then is fine. Like, I I don't know what the end game would be here, though. I haven't figured that part out yet. And I feel like the writers are probably like, okay, well, we're going to focus on showing you how devious Valerie is. And you've already seen how devious Claire can be. So, like, we'll get there when we get there. I feel like. There's like 32 episodes this season, so maybe there's like a mid-season reveal of like, surprise, it was Claire all along. It's like from WandaVision. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where they got it from? (laughs) So Valerie Claire isn't a friendship I thought I wanted until just now. Mm. And I thought, I feel like I had something else to say, but I completely (laughs) forgot. But I really hope Mr. Man becomes a series regular because I love him. Him and Mr. Boom and... uh... Oh, I remember. Okay, so at some point, Claire is just going to switch Mr. Man and Brandon and Kelly won't notice. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Brandon has the personality of a blow-up doll, so... (laughs) And if he really is lousy in bed, Kelly won't know the difference. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that Kelly was really like... She wasn't like, no, he's not. She was just right. like, you don't know that. <laughs> I really wish she had just been like, how did you know? Right. What, you don't know what? he sucks. Yeah. You don't know as well as I do how much he sucks. It makes me think of that show that they tried to put on Quibi, you know, that lasted for all of a hot six months or so. It was like Anna Kendrick. Um, Gosh, what was it called? But basically, this, like, inflatable sex doll came to life or whatever. I forget what it was called. Oh, yeah, that looked funny. I watched, like, the first two episodes, which are five minutes long or six minutes long or whatever, when I did my free trial of Quibi. And it was pretty funny, but then I, like, totally fell off of it because Quibi. Didn't, like, Roku buy all of that stuff off of Quibi? So, like, it's technically still out there. We could find this. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't remember for the life of me what it's called. I'm going to look it up while we continue talking. I feel like I'm curious now if, like, Roku just bought the library or if they have any intention of continuing any of that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, we don't know. Like, we know they got all the content and that they can reproduce all the content and put it on their platforms. But what content? There's, like... Some shows, but there's also, like, non-scripted stuff, too. So, who knows? We'll find out. But, I mean, I guess all that to say while y'all are looking, like, that's it for Mm -hmm. Claire and Donna and Kelly. Yeah, they had – I liked their storyline because I liked throwing – like, we had to find out how Claire was going to get back into the group because we knew from last episode that she's technically a sophomore, so now she's on their level grade-wise, which doesn't matter in college, but it's okay. Right. And now we see how she's actually being integrated in the friend group. She's a roommate. And it's wonderful. Which, I I guess I thought about this. How did Donna not know about the whole Claire thing? Yeah, because presumably Kelly would have told her. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess... Donna was kind of busy with her own David shit. I was going to say, yeah, and maybe, like, then they got in the fight. They didn't talk all summer. So, like, it just became less important because 
presumably Claire is out of their lives. Right. Until now. Until now. So side note, that Anna Kendrick show, Dummy, (laughs) (laughs) is the name of it. So that was important to note. Mary, what else happened this week? Valerie goes through all Brenda's old stuff looking for air quotes, romantic poetry notes. Really, though, she's gazing longingly at a photo of Dylan. She asks Cindy and Jim about Jack McKay at dinner, and Jim tells her he was a bad man and a criminal, and Dylan's bad too, so stay away. Sweet Val does not do that. She skips Brandon's debate and subtly probes for more info about Dylan, learning he sleeps all day and shoots pool all night. How convenient that pool was Valerie's late father's game. Valerie introduces herself to Dylan and asks to join him. She wins a game, they banter, they drink. Dylan's into it, but Val wants him to ache for her. Okay. Dylan runs into Steve at the Peach Pit. Steve asks how Dylan's been and tells him he's been going after a girl named Valerie who lives at the Walsh house. Val meets up with Dylan again at the pool hall, but tells him she wants to do something else and that something else is him. (laughs) They bang. She then asks Dylan to take her home for curfew, where Dylan realizes that she lives at the Walsh house and she's Valerie. He thinks it's a little creepy that she knew who he was before she approached him, but she's offering no answers at this time. Mystery bad girl stuff only. She's terrifying. I know. I told you guys. She's like the best bad girl. We thought Lucinda was good. And maybe that's because she was so blatant about it and like out in the open, like I'm bad. I'm not here to make friends. But Valerie is not that. She is sneaky. And like she's sneaky, but I feel like she's not that sneaky. And the Walshes just keep spelling it out for her. Oh, absolutely. It's like she's sneaky so far to the friends. But yeah, to like Jim and Cindy, she's like, I'm a good girl. Don't you see? And then... It's still kind of like, I'm doing this right under your nose. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, she's pretty sneaky at the beginning when she's like, oh, you know, Brenda might have some romantic poetry class notes in here. So, like, that's what I'm looking for. When, why does Brenda have an autograph from Dylan? (laughs) I know. It was like a headshot that was like, to Shannon from Luke. (laughs) I do wonder if, like, he wrote that the first time and they were like, no, to Brenda, Love Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. It was like literally like an autographed headshot like that he would have given a fan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she just had it framed <laughs> and like on her nightstand. I guess. And now it's in a box of Brenda's stuff, quote, quote, Brenda's stuff. And that was like our first Brenda mention. So we're tracking to keep mentioning Brenda. I'm for it. They should just mention her at least 10 times in every single episode. That's all I ask for. Well, I think Mary actually tallied how many times. I tried to, and (laughs) I just, I had to stop. Because, like, literally, if you count every single time they say her name or show her name on screen, it was, like, eight times before the credits rolled. (laughs) As it should be. As it should be. Um, So I know, like, 90s fashion was a thing, and, like, various grunge and, like, all sorts of different stuff. But when Valerie turned around to, like, talk, okay, Mary's nodding your head. She knows what I'm talking about. When Cindy came in, the top button of her jeans was just, like, undone. And I was like, is that fashion? <laughs> was that, Can we just start bringing that back? 
That's so funny because I looked up like one like a recap because I wasn't sure what one of the political parties was called and I'm not mm. even sure the recap wrote it correctly. So if I get this wrong, it's their fault, not mine. <laughs> I wasn't going to go back and look. But um, they mentioned that. They were like, I don't know about this, but was it 90s fashion to have your top button unbuttoned or hmm. was this just a Val thing because she was looking at that photo of Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> I do. There was... There was a movie in, like, the early 2000s, and I want to say it was a Kate Hudson movie, so it might Mm. be, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or, you know, Mm. one of those. But I remember there was a movie where, like, it was Kate Hudson or another, like, blonde lead in a rom-com, and her jeans were unbuttoned, and then the, like, top of her jeans were, like, rolled, like you would do with, like, Sophie shorts. Yeah. And I remember seeing that when I was younger, and I was like, I don't think... That's how my pants work. <laughs> I remember doing that with jean shorts, but exclusively only if I was wearing them over a bathing suit in summertime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this was like jean pants. Ew, weird. And just like on a random day. Like, I just remember it sticks in my head because, yeah, every now and then I'm just like, my pants don't do that. Well, and also it's like, if I don't have the button of my jeans clasped, they don't sit correctly like yeah, like what's loose. gonna hold the zipper up right <laughs> like the and maybe that's just how jeans are made now like so tight and stuff like skinny jeans and such that the intended purpose is to be as tight as possible so that if you were to release it would just <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just noticed that and i was like huh okay all right all right all right cool yeah no i agree i don't think that's a thing i think that's just a valerie thing valerie thing but yeah so apparently brandon's on the campaign trail and like when she goes downstairs she asks everybody jim and cindy about jack mckay because she heard about him in one of her college courses which no you didn't (laughs) yeah this just happened it was a local thing Mm -hmm. like no you didn't exactly i have taken many business and ethics courses in my life and like they have never been like oh you may have heard of this one guy that was in atlanta Mm -hmm. like no it's always like Enron. Right, right. Like the big, big national scandals. Yeah. And then, yeah, like Jim is just like, he's a crook and he did this and Dylan is his son and he did this and mm-hmm. da, da, da. Like she is just putting together a full dossier. Right. <laughs> when she comes down to dinner and they've gotten Mexican takeout and Jim is like, beware of the salsa. It's really spicy. It's like, why? <laughs> But also that Cindy and Jim ordered takeout Mexican and didn't ask Valerie what she wanted. They're just like, I hope you like whatever we brought you. (laughs) That's a good point. What if she doesn't like spicy food? Or is allergic to something in any kind of Mexican food? Like, yeah, I was just like, wait a minute. I would want to choose. I love Mexican food. I want to (laughs) choose. She didn't get that choice. Well, I'm like, yeah, I was trying to think about it because... Like, we live in the South. There's a lot of Mexican food around here. So, like, if I went to L.A. and someone said, this is spicy, I'd be like, I mean, it's probably spicy, but, Mm -hmm. like, I'm probably used to it. But in Southern California and, like, the West Coast, Mm -hmm. the cheese dip is different. Hmm. So I was thinking about that because I remember I went out to dinner with one of my friends and I went to order queso and she was like, it's not like Atlanta queso. (laughs) What is it like? Is it like Fundito style where it's just like melted cheese? It's yellow cheese. Yeah, yellow It's not the white cheese. Mm -hmm. It's more like um, Chili's queso. Oh, okay. 
which every time when I worked at Chili's and people would order queso, I was like, you're not going to like this queso. And then they didn't like it. Man, I don't discriminate. I don't think I've met a queso I didn't like before. I I liked it, but yeah. like it but was it different. different. You yeah. have to know before you order. And yeah, like what if they put this in front of her and she was like, that's not queso. <laughs> well, and it was weird too because Jim was like, this will make you feel like a true Californian or something with the salsa. And I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But all right, Jim. You said a lot of weird things this episode. <laughs> it was like a warning. It's like, it's spicy. It'll yeah. turn you into a West Coast person. And she's like, ooh, sign me up or something. So, Well, and it's I guess it's another one of those times where she's like, they are so about being from California. Right. They're like, avocado stop heads. it. <laughs> I will say one thing, too, before that, like, just one little side note I wanted to mention was when um, Brandon was, like, getting ready for the debate and she said she didn't want to go. And that she, like, just wanted to chill out or whatever, which we know now, like, she doesn't just chill out. But she told Brandon that Jim got stern with her about Dylan and when she mentioned Jack. This is where we learn that Brandon also doesn't know that Dylan lost all his money. To this point, nobody knows that he lost all his money. He's just acting out to all of them. Like, they just think, oh my gosh, he's just drinking again. Which, like, kind of shitty friends. That's what I mean, yeah. Like, every time he has started drinking, it's because something has pushed him to drinking. Exactly. Like, Dylan is a pretty level-headed guy, and mm-hmm. they're all just like, no, he just fell off the wagon. It's fine. Yeah, we're not going to deal with that. It's Dylan. Like, whatever. But also, this is where Valerie learns that Dylan is quote-unquote rich, because mm-hmm. he's not anymore, but because Brandon doesn't know that, now Valerie thinks that he's rich. Which, again, they're literally just being like, would you like the McKay biography? Yeah, exactly. I've written this for you. You recognize that photo from upstairs? It was the photo on the back of the cover about the author. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she decides to skip this debate and finds him at the pool hall, which, like, I just kind of was sitting there being like, there are more than one pool hall yeah. in Beverly Hills. I want to know how many she went to before she found the right one. Or she, like, maybe went to the Yellow Pages and just called all the pool halls, like, hey, is Dylan McKay there? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I bet, like, she could do that, though, because mm-hmm. they all know him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she, like, goes up to him and, like, challenges him to a game and then essentially hustles him to be like, oh, yeah, I play pool sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I won the game. Like, immediately. She does the softest break ever, but somehow it gets that nine ball into the pocket. <laughs> I love how many times they f- clearly fake Valerie doing things. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how to roll a joint or play pool. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they got the same extra for both of them. It's oh, I just hope like, so. You're going to actually break this. I mean, in reality, they probably just, like, rolled the ball. <laughs> yeah. In the pocket we go. They do have this weird, like, back and forth, that banter, where, like, after she wins, he's like, well, what do you want? She's like, what do you got? And then he's like, what do you need? It's like, guys, you're just answering a question with another question. You're not getting anywhere. And then she just says she wants a beer. I'm like, for all of that? No, every time that they write, like, super flirty stuff, I am reminded that these are scripted TV shows. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah. yeah. Like, if if somebody said that to me, I would have been like, I want to hang out with you? Yeah. Is that okay? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, (laughs) (laughs) start that whole thing. 
ugh. And then, yeah, they do all this stuff. She goes to leave at the end, and Dylan is, like, very clearly trying to sleep with her. And she's like, no, I want you to ache for me. And I think I get chills every time it's mentioned in the show when you said it and now when you said it, and not in a good way. Like I was like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, boy. Because it was just a weird thing to say. (laughs) Like, I don't... I don't have any other words for it other than it was just weird and it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> no, this whole thing makes me uncomfortable. And, like, I totally get what they're trying to do. I'm not disparaging it or anything. But, like, she won't tell him her name. And then she's like, I want you to ache for me. I've been like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is he expected to do, like, when he's alone, like, and thinking of her? He's just thinking of the pool girl or, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, anyway. No, it it feels like a lot of effort for what Dylan is probably assuming is, like, a fun one-night stand. And she's right. just like, no, I'm going to make you work for me. And I feel like Dylan would be like, I don't have to. Exactly. He just got Eberly in the last episode. Yeah, and he has her number. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's like, yeah, he, he really doesn't have to try. It's funny. One thing I feel like we forgot to talk about like last week about Eberly is the fact that she wrote her name so huge like in crayon on a piece of notebook paper also sad is like erica's leftover crayons (laughs) poor thing so sorry (laughs) oh that killed me i love it Yeah, sometimes I truly love this show where Mm -hmm. they're just like, how do we make sure everyone can see the number? Right. Like, giant. (laughs) In crayon. Oh, man. And then we join up with Dylan again later when he's with Nat at the Peach Pit where he's griping about the fact that they have to put in a new AC for the freezer or something. Mm -hmm. And he's complaining that they just got a new one. And so he's like, oh, we shouldn't call this the Peach Pit. We should call it the Money Pit. Yes, we know. That's why you had to save it last season. Exactly. And so he kind of like slams out into the kitchen uh, or like the main dining area. And Steve actually sees him and he's like, do my eyes deceive me? He doesn't say that, but basically that's what he says. And so they catch up, which is a little awkward because it's known that they don't like each other. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole time because like, you know, Steve is trying to talk about Brandon, which is the connecting piece between the two of them Mm -hmm. and dylan isn't interested at all and then steve is like well i know what you're going through because kelly dumped me too which is the other connecting piece of them and again steve hasn't dated kelly in four years exactly no one cares right and to even like suggest that he quote-unquote knows what he's going through it would be two entirely different relationships and also, you're so wrong, Steve. <laughs> he's so wrong. There's... I mean, you can't fault him. He doesn't know. But still, he's so wrong. Yeah, and this is where, like, he's like, oh, yeah, Kelly dumped me four years ago. And since then, I met a new girl. Her name is Valerie. She lives with the Walshes. Right. And Dylan obviously doesn't put it together because he has no reason to make this connection. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's planting the seed for the viewers of, like, Mm -hmm. they're going to figure it out. Exactly. And so then later on, we're back at the pool hall, but this time Dylan's not there. Um, Val is there, and she's pretty desperate for him to show up, I guess. She seems like, because she's, like, she asked the bartender or whoever, um, is he there or is he coming or whatever. And then she just kind of waits for him and, and smokes her cigarette. Yeah. And then I guess, like... 
you know, he finally shows up. She keeps seducing him. She decides he's ached enough for her, I guess. Is that a pool cue or are you just excited to see me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Ridiculous. She makes some other, like, what, you need a lube job? Oh, yeah, because she says she's a mechanic. She was like, I had to get my tires rotated. He's like, I don't take you for a mechanic. And she's like, why? You need a lube job? Gross. <laughs> like, it's too quippy. It's like Gilmore Girls where, like, I love it so much, but, like, people don't talk like exactly. this. Exactly. I, like, half Stop expected it. it to be, like, Dawson's Creek and just start throwing in, like, $5 words and try to confuse a viewer. Oh my gosh, I love when Dawson's Creek is really like self-aware about itself too. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, we talk too much. Mm-hmm. But then they keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, they never stop. Like they're using the $5 words while they make fun of themselves for using the $5 words. Right. But yeah, like they keep making these innuendos. We like kind of have this other cutaway where Steve starts asking people where Valerie is, which is when we cut back to find out that Valerie and Dylan have literally just finished having sex and he is praising her for being a contortionist and how did you learn how to do blah 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 i was like stop it yeah like he is giddy with sex at this point and he still doesn't know who she is right like and we are two very different people me and dylan but like i gotta know your name first at least (laughs) bare minimum i feel like the name should be said even if it's a fake name i wouldn't know any better yeah i mean like it's probably gross. I might cut this out. But like <laughs> his mind is so blown by having sex with her. Like, what did he say during sex? Right. He doesn't know her name. He's just like, pool girl. <laughs> Nine balls. <laughs> oh my god, I really hope that when he climaxed, he said nine balls. <laughs> That's so weird. I mean, it would be better than asking Valerie if she also needed a lube job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can cut that out. I don't. I felt dirty. <laughs> ew. Yeah. yeah. Big ew. <laughs> but then, like, yeah, he just, like, is highly praising her. And then the next time we see them, um, he has, like, rolled over to try to go to sleep. And she's like, no, I have a curfew. You have to take me home. I was so worried at that moment. He was going to think she was, like, in high school or something. Which is kind of what it sounded like. Yeah. So, like, it was kind of risky. And then he drives her home and she's giving him directions. And, you know, he figures it out when they pull up to the house. But I feel like as soon as you get to their neighborhood, you should have been like, well, shit. Well, yeah, because, like, not that they necessarily live in, like, a subdivision or something, but you would recognize the streets, I would think. And, like, Valerie wouldn't know the route Dylan would have taken to the Walsh house. So it's not like she could have concocted, like, an alternative route to get to the Walsh house. So so it's like, Dylan, you got to be smarter than that. Like, you know where you are. Right? I actually thought it was really funny that she just knew how to get back to the Walsh's house from his house. Right. I was like, I would never. No. I would, like, I would be like, where's your map? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point, too. It's like, would... Because she couldn't tell him the address because he would know it. Ooh. Mm -hmm. She, in her, like, research with the Walshes, there is a solid chance that the Walshes just gave her his address. That's true. Like, they were literally giving her everything. Unless she also looked him up in the phone book. And, like, the yellow pages would have had... Yeah, and I keep bringing up the yellow pages. But, like, it's legitimate. Yeah. And so she probably did her research to backtrack the directions to the 
Walsh house. Yeah. Either that or she's like, do you know where this landmark is? Because right. I know how to get back from there. <laughs> right. I really wish we had seen whatever she came up with for this. Man, me too. Right? I need the facts. I need the evidence. <laughs> but yeah. And so as soon as they drive up, Dylan is pissed. And right, immediately so. like gets her to get out of the car. And he's like, you knew exactly who I was when you walked into that pool hall, which is the first draft of... Uh, out of all the gin joints, <laughs> you walk into mine. Um, but yeah, so like he accuses her of setting him up. He, we assume this will be like the end of Dylan and Valerie, but I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Dylan loves to be with people that are bad for him. And especially if he's still in this spiral, like yeah. this is going to keep going. He's going to hurt Steve. He's going to hurt all of his other friends. Brandon is going to figure this out and somehow take it personally. <laughs> he's the epitome of the uh, Michael Jordan meme from the last dance where it's like, and I took that personally. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, Valerie is just like, good night and gets yeah. out of the car and walks away. Like nothing happened. Like he's not mad at her. She is diabolical. She she legitimately terrifies me. I love it. Like, she played him, so I can't wait to find out, like, when she finds out he has no money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because presumably, like, that little nugget that, you know, she found out from Brandon that he's rich is another reason for going after him. Because she was going after him already, but that was just, like, icing on the cake. And, like, I feel like if she's going after someone for their money, Dylan is the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Like, Dylan does not just buy people things. That's what's so interesting. He goes big with his money, but it's not really for other people. This is kind of the first time that he's, like, invested in someone else. But it's not like he just goes and buys, like, Brandon a gift for winning the presidency thing. Or what a spoiler alert. But, like, yeah, he's not a gift giver kind of guy. He gives himself gifts. And then he, like, because with the Porsche thing, because he mm. bought the new Porsche. And then, yeah, the investment with Kevin. So it's not like he's, like, a spoiler. Yeah, I mean, he's been, like, he's done a few dramatic things, but most of it has been with family. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, he invested in Kevin because, you know, that was giving back to the environment. And also, like, Erica was directly involved in that, which mm-hmm. is also when he gave Suzanne money. Like, right. he gave Nat money because Nat has been in his life for presumably ever. Mm-hmm. He dissolved his trust fund to give his dad money. Like, but he dated Brenda for two years and didn't, like, shower her with gifts. Right. That wasn't, like, a main aspect of their relationship. And then the same thing with Kelly, although Kelly, you know, presume like, she has her own money, kind, kind of. Kind of, Yeah. I'm sure she has a trust fund or something. Yeah, I have no idea how Kelly gets her money, Mm -hmm. but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, it feels like this is the wrong person to try and get money out of. Like, you definitely wanted to focus your efforts more on Steve. Yeah, because he's got good credit card. (laughs) (laughs) And we've also seen him give other people Mm -hmm. a bunch of gifts before. Like, he does do that. Well, and he's, like, so much more naive than Dylan, and... I understand the, don't get me wrong, I understand the appeal of Dylan, for sure. Mm-hmm. But she already has the attention of Steve, who is very naive and very 
easily distracted and has the money that he can shower her with stuff. So yeah, I feel like she's barking up the wrong tree. She is. And I guess she wanted a challenge. Yeah, but like, probably. Too much of a challenge. Yeah. You went way too big. Yeah. Work yourself up. <laughs> then I hit him with a ski. <laughs> Winston, that's, that's too big. <laughs> Featherfoot. <laughs> too small. Way too small. <sighs> Mary, what else happened this week? Caught so much. (laughs) (laughs) The election for student government is just two days away. We know this because David is fucking up a recording of a student newscaster telling us this. Apparently, the progressive party has completely divided itself, but the front runner is the Latino party, led by their campaign manager, Alex Diaz. He thinks the problem with Josh Richland's campaign is Brandon, a.k.a. the chancellor's lapdog. Josh drives Brandon to the peach pit and is bad at it because he lived in New York. Steve seems to be doing an all right job as campaign manager of Josh and Brandon. Well, wow. I did not write this very well. I apologize. (laughs) I wrote this at like 1 a.m. Oh, no. Okay. Steve seems to be doing an all right job as Josh and Brandon's campaign manager. If hanging up posters in the peach pit is helpful. Brandon asks Deshaun for an endorsement, but Deshaun says he has to remain neutral because sports. The campaign seems hopeless. Andrea is on her way to meet Brandon at the debate when she runs into Jesse. She tells him she doesn't think Brandon values her opinion anymore because she's just a mom. Josh doesn't show up for the debate because of car trouble, so Brandon has to give a speech on behalf of their independent campaign. Andrea offers to help Brandon write something, but he turns her down. He also asks her to not let him do politics anymore after this. Brandon gives a short speech about Josh's car trouble, which is funny apparently, and his de- this entire debate being a waste of time. Also, the knot on his tie is just so tiny. The crowd <laughs> apparently loves one or more of these things and cheers for him. Josh arrives just in time to see it. Josh tells Brandon that people think he should be the one running for president, which is the complete opposite of what we've heard previously. (laughs) Andrea talks to Kelly about how Brandon is ignoring her. Kelly's like, that's dumb. Go talk to him. Andrea does and comes up with a great solution to a problem involving that time Josh wrote that article accusing Brandon of doing all those bad things. Even though he never published it, he didn't delete it either. So someone found it. (laughs) Luckily, Donna can talk to Deshaun about refuting the claims in the article, but when the time comes for the student senate meeting on the matter, they're nowhere to be found. Brandon's afraid to go in, but Andrea encourages him and they go inside. Brandon defends himself against the allegations in the article, and Deshaun shows up just in time to back him up. Steve and Kelly get to help count votes for some reason. David films more campus news and only pretends to fuck it up this time. (laughs) At the Peach Pit, the gang gathers for a party while the votes are counted. Josh and Brandon thank Andrea for being their minister of propaganda slash best friend of the court. Richland is full of nervous energy, so he decides to go for a drive in his shitty car. As soon as he pulls out of the parking lot, he gets run down by a fucking truck. The car bursts into flames as Brandon runs toward it. And then Brandon and Josh win the election, but Josh is dead, so that sucks. What, like, this was a wild story. This was a wild story, and none of it makes any sense. There's almost just, like, too much going on. And too quickly. Way too quickly. Yeah. Like, they get on the ticket essentially two days before the presidential race. Yeah, it was, like, yesterday. Yeah. It feels like. 
And then you find out there's 12 sets of candidates running because there is infighting in the progressives, which seems aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I feel like they've mentioned the progressives before. Mm -hmm. They mentioned them last year when they wanted Brandon to do stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. They would bring up like the progressive party, the independent party, which is the ticket that Josh and um, Brandon are on. They bring up the Latinos Unidos. And they bring up, uh, or at least I paid attention to, there was a sign on the debate for, like, the uh, Asian Pacific Islander group, I guess. I think there was a Green Party, too. Yeah. So it's like there's all of these not necessarily political affiliations, but more ethnic groups. It Like, I don't understand why they had to have 12. Right. That made no sense. Like, they, I guess they were just trying to raise the stakes to be like, the vote is split. How will they ever get enough to win? Because that's what the guy says of like, mm-hmm. no one will get the majority. But <laughs> it was really funny to me that they had like a newscaster to do exposition. But then David's only purpose in this story was <laughs> to fuck up this guy's life. And then the next time be OK at it. it's like david didn't need to be in this episode david did not need to be in this episode i loved that he sneezed like in the last like 10 seconds of the recording and i'm just like just do the last 10 seconds again you don't have to do the whole fucking thing it's not yeah it's not a live shot like they don't have a live feed connected to this camera to like make it matter that he sneezed right well and like the microphone is all the way over there. You may not have heard it. Or if you did, it could have just been someone in the background. That's what happens when you're recording surrounded by people. Right. Also, like, it probably wouldn't have been noticed if the guy reading hadn't just glared at David. Exactly. It's like, that's not your job. Your job is to stand there and pretend like it's not happening. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was such a silly way to get exposition out. But then, yeah, the first thing we see with Brandon, like, on the campaign trail is him trying to hand out flyers. And I love that he kept being like, Brandon Walsh, Brandon Walsh, Brandon Walsh. And, like, he snuck in his old slogan, damn good to meet you, or something like that. And I was like, Brandon, it's not going to work. Yeah, nobody wants these flyers. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, it's wild that the story starts with, like, nobody liking Brandon and Josh. And then Brandon speaks for five seconds and everyone decides they love him. It was very confusing. It almost felt like, remember in the office when Dwight had to give the speech and he just starts giving quotes of like Joseph Stalin and like (laughs) dictators and such. And all of a sudden like the crowd's like, "Mm, what are you doing? But then like eventually the crowd cheers and stuff. It's like, this all happened in one episode. That's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's the thing. The office is making fun of it. This one, like when everybody started laughing and clapping for him, I'm legitimately surprised they didn't in full seriousness Mm -hmm. Give him a standing ovation. I know. That's where it seemed like it was going. Yeah. But like, we're not even close to there yet because it's still that morning and like Kelly comes over and says Brandon is cute or something. And then Josh comes over and we find out that the Condor is backing Ramon and Alicia with Latinos Unidos, Mm -hmm. which is when Diaz comes over and says that no one will vote for them because Brandon is the chancellor's lackey. And like, What? Why? Why does this matter? Right. Because it was like, on the one hand, it almost sounded like Alex Diaz was trying to say that Brandon's a narc or something. Which is what I picked. Yeah, that's what I thought. But then 
I don't understand why that would matter. If anything else, that means he has more power to get things done because he has a direct relationship with the Chancellor who makes things happen. (laughs) Or, and this is like out of left field, this is just me coming up with this right now. Oh, dear. Everyone else read his stupid task force shit of like, make the teachers work more. Mm -hmm. And we're like, no, that's, that's dumb. That's not a thing. Maybe. But as Josh later says, the people are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the thing, too, is like, I don't really think the people would care because they probably wouldn't even know that Brandon is in cahoots with the chancellor. So only the people in, quote unquote, politics care, but they're not the ones making the decisions i i don't know it's yeah it's all a stretch well and like when you were in college did you pay attention to this nope i think so i remember student government whoever was running for student government passing out flyers at some point but i never did enough research to really know like differences between the candidates beyond like their bio so I knew like who from Panhellenic was running, who from the business school was running or something like that. So no, no, I did not know. <laughs> yeah. Like this feels like such a niche mm-hmm. thing that just, it it doesn't, I don't connect with it. Well, and like, I think the episode before, um, Donna or Brandon or Dylan or somebody mentions the size of the school too. And it mm-hmm. was like 30,000. So it's a major university. Like that's a large school. So, yeah, this seems like a very focused, like, I don't know, problem for something that doesn't matter to 30,000 people. Yeah. And even with, like, campus TV, like, who all is watching this? Yeah. I don't don't understand. Yeah. And Brandon spends this whole time being like, I don't even want to do this. I'm going to drop out and has to be continuously reminded to do it. And, like... You think maybe that's why everybody doesn't want you to win? Right, because you don't actually care. And you're very vocal about not wanting to do it. I mean, you know, they're at the Peach Pit, which is off campus. So, yeah, why are they putting posters (laughs) up there? (laughs) Yeah, this is supposedly, like, the campus, like, student hang or something. But it's really only the hang for Brandon and his friends. Yeah. But somehow Deshaun shows up. Somehow Josh is there. And, yeah, Josh wants Brandon to get Deshaun to endorse them, but he's like, I'm all Switzerland, bruh, because I'm on the basketball team. Well, yeah, Josh wants Brandon to ask for Deshaun to endorse them, and Brandon says no, and Josh is like, what's the worst thing that can happen? He says no, and then Brandon says no, the worst thing he can do is call me an opportunistic weasel. (laughs) He is so Brandon in this, like, he is extra. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was looking for articles uh yesterday after i watched this episode and there's just like a very short blurb that i think it was like us weekly or something where jason Precy was like people like brandon don't exist in real life and i was like i hope not oh my gosh he said that i wonder if um you know who got real mad about that oh i don't know i <laughs> i didn't even think about that because yeah he's like people like dylan and brandon are so black and white like they don't exist in real life and i was like yeah i mean that's pretty much true but yeah. like I really hope not. Oh, boy. Yeah, so he asked Deshaun. Deshaun says that, like, publicly he asked to say neutral and he can't do any of that stuff. And then we cut over to Andrea's house 
where she's getting Hannah ready to go to the debate. And Jesse walks in and is like, why are you trying to leave on the one night that I'm not working or studying? Brandon won't care if you're there. And she gets mad at him, which reminds me again that Andrea is probably still in love with Brandon, even though she's married to Jesse with a kid. And it's that classic, like, Brandon doesn't intentionally, like, lead her on or anything, but he definitely keeps her close enough to kind of keep giving her this weird false hope. It's not, like, legit false hope, but it's, like, enough to make her matter, which literally she gets in her head that he doesn't care about her anymore because she says right after that that Brandon doesn't ask for her opinions on things anymore. And I used to be the editor, and now I'm a mom. And I'm like, oh, God. And it's like, it is so mean to Andrea's character to have even her be like, everyone just sees me as the mom. Which, like, to be fair, Brandon's really mean to Cindy, who is his mother. Right. So, like, it doesn't totally surprise me that he's not nice to moms. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's just so condescending. Andrea, don't care. Don't care about what Brandon thinks. And, yeah, like, spend the night hanging out at home with your husband. Take your husband to the debate with you and then go out to dinner. Like, do something with him Rather than be like, no, I'm taking the baby to go see Brandon. Because Brandon might need me. He hasn't in forever, but he might. Yeah. And like literally she goes to the debate and just like immediately offers to write him a speech five seconds before he's supposed to get on the stage. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Andrea, I love you, but not even you are that good. Right. Well, and also I just feel like Jesse had a solid argument there. Like he had a right to be upset. Yeah. So. He absolutely did. And I just felt bad for that. But yeah, so like. Yeah, Andrea offers to write a speech and then he doesn't even need it because Brandon is Brandon and he gets to, like the debate is complete chaos. Just the moderator can't even get people to focus. Um, then Brandon gets to walk up and I guess deliver a speech. His pants are very big, by the way. I saw that too. <laughs> yes. And he delivers some speech about like, Josh really wanted to be here, but he's with his car. Ha 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 ha. His car broke down. Ha 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 ha. On the uh, freeway. Ha 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 In rush hour traffic. Like what? Good jokes, Brandon. It's not a joke. Top notch. It's not even jokes. It's just what happened. <laughs> and everyone's laughing. Are they laughing at Josh's expense? That's terrifying. Right. Like, I would be scared. If my car broke down on the freeway. In the middle of rush hour traffic. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, well, this is how I die. Right. Which, like... Oh, boy. To be fair. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hashtag too soon. (laughs) I know. Oh, R.I.P. Josh Richland. But also, like, then he goes to another extreme and starts talking about how if they don't listen to each other's, like, differences and opinions and stuff... See, you won't survive. He says everyone is saying nothing about nothing. And then, yeah, that they have to listen to each other's differences or the school won't survive. And then everyone cheers for him. And I'm like, but he didn't say anything about anything. He didn't tell you anything about his platform. He just said, you got to listen to the person next to you. That's it. And also, hey, shut the fuck up (laughs) and listen to each other now that you're all quiet and let me be president. Bye. I met the president, so I should be one. 
I think my favorite part in all of this is that not only is Josh not there and they don't have a copy of his speech, but Brandon hasn't even seen it. Right. And they're on the ticket together. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about listening to each other. Right. And then Josh finally shows up, hears that last little bit, doesn't hear Brandon making fun of Josh or I guess whatever he was trying to do, but he does hear the whole like, we got to listen to each other thing. And so later at the Walsh house, Josh was like, you, Jim and Cindy, you should be so proud of your boy. He delivered one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Well, like, no, he didn't. Yeah, not at all. No, he didn't. He said, like, three sentences. One of them was mocking you. Mm-hmm. The others were mocking everybody else at this debate. Mm-hmm. And none of it said anything about anything. You have no platform. No. Don't know what you care about. Don't know what the issues are. Don't know at all. Yeah, and then, like... I don't know. It's a bunch of back and forth that doesn't really mean anything. Like, Josh tells Brandon this false modesty thing isn't fooling anyone. Brandon says, you asked me to run with you. Isn't that Mm -hmm. how this works? And then Jim calls them both clowns. And then, like, you literally just hear them all start rolling on the floor laughing. And Brandon and Jim slap each other in the face. Yes! (laughs) I was like, what is happening? And, like, we see all that through a doorway because Valerie is talking to Cindy. And I was just like, this is just, like... It definitely feels like a bunch of white men congratulating each other for being white men in power. Yeah, it definitely did. It was just, mm. and especially considering what goes on like right after this and kind of like later on through the episode where they start to bring in like racism and stuff. I'm just like, this is not a way to address political differences or racism. No, th- it's truly like. It's a bunch of mm-hmm. white people congratulating themselves. And, like, yeah, it's more making Brandon so important because the next time we see them, Josh is like, yeah, people are telling me to step aside and give you the presidency. Right. And, like, over that one three-sentence speech and even during this, like, Kelly sees Andrea, invites her to come over, is like, why aren't you sitting with us? Like, we're all over here. Then proceeds to call her neurotic for, for having insecurities about her friendship with Brandon, but convinces her anyway to go talk to him. And then Alex from Latinos Unidos comes over and he brings everybody copies of that article that Josh started to write about all of the like tutoring stuff with Brandon and that drama and like claims that Brandon took a test for Deshaun. So we have a major thing to buy into at this point. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, Josh says like, yeah, but I found out that none of this was true, so I didn't run it. And then Brandon blames Josh for not deleting it. And Andrea is just like, yeah, but if you look at this, like, it's all conjecture. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't have anything. It's their word against your word. And then Andrea wants to put out a flyer refuting the article point by point. And who's going to read that? Well, These people are trying to hand out, like, two-page-long flyers Mm -hmm. the day before the election. Well, because that's the thing, too, is, like, that's bold of, I guess, them all thinking that people are going to read the fact that Brandon took a test for Deshaun. It's like, you guys assume they're going to read that and the refuting, the defense of it? I don't think so. Because, again, as Josh says, people are dumb. Yeah, well, and so, you know, Andrea comes up with this idea that I don't think is a good idea. Mm -hmm. And Brandon says, well, it'll never fly because I'm dropping out of the race. And then he does say, like, I'm dropping out because 
I don't want to risk Deshaun's scholarship right. because if anybody starts questioning this, it could bring him under fire. Then he loses his scholarship. He can't play basketball. He drops out of school. Like, you know, we've heard Deshaun be like, yeah, I'm basically like the first person in my family to go to college. Mm-hmm. And like my sister has yelled at me for not putting the effort in that I need to. Right. And I actually agree with Brandon here. Like, this is a good reason to drop out of a race. Now, it is not the reason he probably should have before this point. The fact that he doesn't care, doesn't want to do this, doesn't want to have political aspirations. But at least at this point, he's doing this all for Deshaun's sake, which is a good reason. That's being a good friend. That's like distancing himself from a situation all in the name of Deshaun. So I do agree with that. Yeah. And I mean... You know, everybody is still pushing him to be in the race, which is weird because he keeps saying he doesn't want to do it. Just right. let him drop out. Um, and he refuses to even ask Deshaun if this would be an okay thing to do because mm-hmm. he says it's a conversation. It's not a conversation I'm prepared to have. Which doesn't make sense to me. Like, what what is there to prepare? Like, him and Deshaun are the two people that know the entire situation back to front. It, so what's weird about it? Yeah, it definitely feels like Brandon is just a man of inaction right now, which doesn't feel true to his personality. It's like the only action he wants to take is just the easy way out, which would be to back out of the race, not do the hard stuff. Which he's literally never done before. Yeah, true. Literally never. So then Donna, the angel on this earth, if I've ever seen one, offers to talk to uh, Deshaun for everyone. Save the day. Yeah, because she's like, yeah, he's friends with us. Mm-hmm. We like him as a person. I'm like, yeah, you do. You all do. Yeah, we can just talk to him like he's our friend because he is one. Yeah, it definitely sounds like Brandon does not see Deshaun as his friend. Which kind of fits what ends up happening later on that Deshaun talks about. So, like, I want to hold on to that because later on it's, like, brought up. Yeah. It, it, it is a little weird to me because, like, it does feel like they've acted like friends before. But, yeah, at this point, they've decided that, like, I don't know, Deshaun is this other person that is, like, the basketball star mm-hmm. and not friends with the avocado heads. Well, yeah, because it's, like, it kind of goes back to last episode where Brandon made that weird comment and was like, no, Deshaun is the basketball team. Yeah. You know, like, he's not just a member on a team, like, as a person. He is the basketball team yeah so yeah i want to keep i want to hold that and come back to it once we get there because i do think there's a lot to what you just said yeah and i mean we're actually really close Mm -hmm. to it because then there's you know alex has given them this like oh well the senate hearings in four hours if you don't drop out i'm bringing this up we cut ahead to the actual senate meeting and like brandon is upstairs pacing outside the door kelly's on the phone trying to find donna and deshaun and this is when andrea comes up and kelly's like I'm going to go look for Donna and Deshaun again. Will you please go talk to Brandon? And she goes up to where he is in the hallway and he literally says to her, shouldn't you be in daycare or something? So insulting. Not how daycare works. But luckily she has a very good retort and says, uh, yeah, I should. But instead I had to come up here and babysit Josh Richland's running mate. So not even, she doesn't even say his name. She's like, I had to come babysit you. Which I do love. But then she proceeds to, like, just completely stroke his ego, which I hated. Yeah. I mean, she says something along the lines of, like, I love you, but shut up. And I'm like, no, he's being really mean to you. You should not want to be this man's friend. Don't tolerate this behavior. No, but she does. And she gives him this moving speech about how amazing he is. And so they end up going into the room. 
And then it gets really weird Mm -hmm. where Alex Diaz is calling Brandon taking a test for Deshaun academic apartheid and how these athletes are always men of color and their tutors are white boys and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, making it about race. And I was like, Mm -hmm. left field, where did this come from? Mm Mm-hmm. But I do think, because when Deshaun walks in and he talks about, he interrupts and he's talking about like good character and the fact that Brandon was always like a good guy to him and stuff. But then he's like, but if you guys don't think that I have the like academic aptitude to do this on my own, you're racist. Because if you think, it kind of reminds me of the whole drama, like the shut up and dribble stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like where they value Deshaun as like currency and as like, um, you know, a buzz for the school rather than thinking, oh, no, he's these are student athletes. The student comes first and he's actually quite a good student. And so it just made me think in Alex's line about how most athletes are men of color and the tutors are white boys. Now I'm thinking, yeah, maybe Brandon doesn't see Deshaun as a friend. He sees him as something to put on his resume. He sees them as, oh, I get to be close to the star of the school or something like that. And I'm like, I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> well, and it's it's weird because last season we saw them like going out of their way to play basketball together mm-hmm. and like, you know, working out together while Deshaun was rehabbing his knee. Right. Like we saw them starting to build a relationship and then this season they're like, oh, well, they didn't see each other all summer and never mind. Right. And Brandon suddenly isn't prepared to have a deep conversation with his so-called friend. And they honestly, they just keep using Deshaun in racist storylines this season. Mm-hmm. Like two episodes in a row, they've just been like, hey, did we tell you Deshaun's a black man? Right. And that that's the reason why him and Donna aren't together? Yeah. Because I I, like, that's the thing. They keep dangling this Deshaun and Donna friendship in front of us and, and showing their chemistry. And they're both single and they... Ugh. And I'm constantly reminded that, no, because people are racist, we can't have this. No. it. So all in all, it was just, yes, another way to remind us that Deshaun is black, another way to remind us that people are racist, but that has nothing to do with the topic at hand, which is people are, like, 12 different groups are running for class president. That's the thing, like... It came into existence and then wrapped up so fast Mm -hmm. because, like, at the end of that Senate meeting, a rally started in favor of Josh and Brandon in the student center. Alicia has fired Alex Diaz from her campaign, and we're all done. And, oh, by the way, Steve comes over and says that he and Kelly are vote counters, which, like, again, why? Right. We already have 45 things that have happened in this episode. Why are we having more stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, in case you haven't, in case you've forgotten all the other stuff that's happened because, you know, this political stuff is wild, Claire is at this rally and Brandon sees her and Kelly at this point has to be like, oh, yeah, she's been living with me. (laughs) Yeah. BT dubs, she's my new roommate. But she says it's Donna's new roommate. I heard that. And I was like, girl, you live there too. Yeah, it's our roommate. <laughs> you said yes to it. You can't be like, it's Donna's roommate. And I just happen to be in there too. Exactly. Like, no, girl, we know. And then later on, everyone's gathered at the peach pit. And this is like kind of a weird thing too, that Josh and Brandon want to leave. Because like you would think 
if you're like surrounded by people that vote for you, you need to like kiss some hands and shake some babies. Like, you know, you gotta be around your constituents and they all they want to do is get out of there. Well, and Andre even shows up with Hannah and Josh is like, oh my God, cute baby. And then Brandon's like, you don't have to do that anymore. We're done. Yeah. And I was like, bruh, he's being nice. Yeah. Brandon is being such a brat and assuming that everything that Josh does has some ulterior motive rather than like, look at this baby. Mm -hmm. Like it's a baby. Yep. And he's snarky to Jim and Cindy who are there to support him. Because Jim is, like, anxious about getting the results back. And Brandon's like, I told you that Kelly's counting the votes. I told you. You asked me 20 minutes ago. I told you then. It's still true. Like, he's so annoying. (laughs) He is heightened Brandon. Like, he is too Brandon for this. Yes. I I just have to hope that, you know, they start to tone it down. And I will say I looked up who wrote this episode because I was just so frustrated. And he only writes – this one more story he doesn't write any more episodes this is his last episode interesting and like i won't say that that's because it was so (laughs) bad (laughs) yeah but um his name is richard golance he's written a couple other episodes that some of them i do feel like we liked he wrote radio days and did it my way windstruck crunch time addicted to love a boy is a pig is a dog and truth (laughs) and consequences which like i don't think we necessarily loved these episodes mm-hmm. but i don't think we hated all of them yeah some of them i think like radio days was probably a good one yeah i'm like trying to get back through them <laughs> this man loves drama yeah crunch clearly. time was the meth episode truth and consequences uh was laura spreading all those rumors oh, a boy gosh. is a pig as a dog is when brenda got arrested by the fbi <laughs> um so he's just like in for the high stakes episodes. <laughs> Apparently they were like too far. Yeah. Way too big. Guys, guys, guys. Tone it back. Okay, I promise. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is his last writing credit. He has the story by credit and then never again. We'll never see this man again. Well, boy, does he leave on a crazy note. I know. Because at this point, Josh is wanting to like take his mind off of the election results. So he wants to take a ride. Brandon doesn't want to go with him, but he's like, what are we going to do if we win? And then Josh is all, well, just like regular politicians, we'll make it up as we go. (laughs) As soon as that line happened, I was like, oh no, they're going to kill him. Really? Yes. I was like, well, I was like famous last words. And then literally it just happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because then Josh leaves and it's been planted this whole time that he's a bad driver. Mm -hmm. And so apparently- his car is unreliable. Exactly. So apparently he pulls out in front of like an oil tanker truck thing or a cement truck or something. Something that is no bueno. And the car is straight up on fire. Yeah. And like you see Brandon, like, run out to the car as it catches on fire. And I got to be honest, this is the second time in just over a season that they've killed someone in a car fire. Right. Because Dylan's dad. Right. And, like, showing a main character go through an absolute traumatic experience of watching someone die in a fire. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the next thing we see is the coroners have, like, you know, collected josh and are you know putting him in the back of the truck to take him away at which point kelly comes up and says oh by the way you won the election yeah she's like are you okay he doesn't respond and then she's like we counted the votes you won the election which like girl that's tomorrow at best yeah like calm down 
Yeah, and then it just episode over. Yeah, Make that's it. Roll like, ugh. and like, what is the over under on next episode opening with like addressing Josh's death in a light that is not? What is Brandon gonna do now with the presidency? Yeah, very slim. Yeah, like they're just gonna go straight into like, well, Josh is dead, so Brandon's president, and he doesn't have a running mate. Or, you know what it feels like? It feels like when. Nat was in the hospital and Brandon was just always in a tie and like like fancier clothes running around from place to place to try to quote unquote handle things and so now it's like I I get the vibe the next episode we're gonna see him getting ready for the funeral or like for some reason being involved in the arrangements or something and then having to go deliver his like accept or what's it called the speech thing when you've won it's not a concession speech, but the opposite of that. And then having to like go to the the go back to CU and like do something for the chancellor or the student government faculty or yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's just gonna, constantly being in a tie. He's gonna have to like organize some kind of memorial and yeah. be like, Well, I'm I'm the president now and this is what he would have wanted. I'm the captain now. And he's <laughs> He's going to give another speech that is three mm-hmm. sentences long. He's going to get a standing ovation. And how pissed is Andrea going to be when she's not his VP? Oh, good call. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so who who do you think is going to be his VP? Claire. <laughs> Brenda. <laughs> what if it's Claire? What if the chancellor is like, um, you're going to give this to my sweet baby? (laughs) There is a rule in the CU student handbook that says, in case the president (laughs) dies, the vice president takes over and the new vice president is directly related to either the chancellor or the dean. Oh, my God. Guys. All right. (laughs) Can you imagine a pairing like that? I they wouldn't get anything done. (laughs) I mean, Brandon's not going to get anything done well, anyway. No, Let's be not. honest. Of course not. Like, he's going to write things that we're never going to see or read or hear about again. And it's just title only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a reason for him to be busy off screen and running around to some place and delivering quippy lines about it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, what what's next week's episode called? Do you know? Uh, Yes. Next week is season five, episode four. Life after death. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, at least that means that we're going to have to deal with the fallout of Josh's death. Okay. Ghost president. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Thought. Actually, possible real thing is Brandon is traumatized because truly traumatic experience Uh turns to the other person on this show who has seen someone die in a car fire and goes to dylan to talk about it dylan is in no place emotionally to handle it but because it's our boy brandon he gets himself together to comfort brandon at which point brandon finds out that dylan had all of his money stolen from him Mm. everybody finds out we start wrapping that up and dylan gets sober again and we get this season back on the normal track I'd watch that. that. Yeah. 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 I'd watch it. That is interesting to me. I would like to nominate Ari to write the rest of this season. (laughs) Yep. Move over. Rewrites her in store. Every now and then, I kind (laughs) of know what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
That would be nice. I mean, we'll see what happens though. Yeah. I kind of hope they do like that classic 90210 thing where they literally have like a ghost of Josh visit Brandon and advise him. Yep. I would be for that. Did they did do that with Jack, right? They kind of did it with Dylan where past Dylan was hanging out with him. Right, 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 right. right. So we'll just have ghost, ghost Josh Mm -hmm. talk to Brandon and walk him through all of the things. That would be nice. I wonder how the actor who played Josh felt when he realized he was getting murdered. (laughs) For real. I like, I wondered about that and I was like, I like noticed this episode that Josh's eyes are like really, really blue. Hmm. And I like just noticed that like in the scene before they like took him away from us forever. And I was like, well, that's sad. I also noticed that he's a real skinny boy. Because his so pants little. were, like, really high, and mm-hmm. they were, like, really big pants, but they, like, were so cinched. He's a little boy. Um, but, yeah, so any guesses for my quote of the week? Um, so I picked – let me get back to it. Uh, if you want to know the truth, he was kind of lousy in bed. <laughs> How would you know, Claire? You never slept with him. <laughs> I know. That's what was so lousy about it. <laughs> Do you love that quote? I also realize now that I wrote, how would you know, Claire, you never slept with me. (laughs) I mean, that's one way to get to know someone. Even while I'm writing my notes, I'm hoping for lesbians. (laughs) Aren't we all? Um, The other quote I have is, the worst thing he can do is call me an opportunistic weasel. (laughs) Because yes, Brandon, you are an opportunistic weasel. Yes, he is. So I wrote down a couple things. Um, none of these are really contenders in my mind, but they're what I wrote down. Perfect. <laughs> Slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, Valerie. Yep. yep. Um, I want a man to ache for me. Also, Valerie. Gross. Also, gross. <laughs> um, I think Josh said this. Um, this false modesty routine isn't fooling anyone, Walsh. Yep, yep. that was Josh. Um, let's see. I have one from... Brenda, or not Brenda, I wish I had one from Brenda, I had one from Andrea, Brandon, I love you, but shut up, okay? (laughs) And I wrote down Josh's last words, make it up as we go along, and like, I literally wrote that down, and I was like, they're gonna kill him. Oh, God. (laughs) And I was like, wow, they really just killed him. Oh. Uh. Well, all those are great, and Mary, you were closest, because it was the line right before, um, Brandon, I love you, but shut up because it's when Brandon says, shouldn't you be in daycare or something? And she says, yes, I should. But instead, I had to come up here and babysit Josh Richland's run- running mate. <laughs> yes. I love Andrea. I, I love know. her so much. <laughs> Again, when I was watching this, Nate said, is she a grandma yet? Oh. And I was like, no, Nate, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. Oh, so yeah. is show baby Andrea's real baby? I don't think so. I, I wish I was, was wondering because yeah, I was even trying to pay attention of like, is that an actual baby? It is an actual scene, baby. Yeah, yeah, it is an actual baby. I don't. I mean, but hey, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, but I don't know. Piece of trivia. It'd be convenient. Mm-hmm. So I had a moment of the week this week, and Perfect. for the first one so or first time so far, it wasn't a mistake or something <laughs> weird. It was just Brandon and Jim slapping each other in the face in the kitchen. Okay, but it was something weird. <laughs> it was something weird. Yeah, I don't get it. I the whole time I was just like, why are they hooting and like 
slapping. Yeah. It's just so funny when you can tell it's the actors reacting right. and not the characters. Like, That's because true. they'll just smile and it's so real and they're laughing and it's just cute. And it's like genuine and not forced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess they do all have that stuff in common. That's true. Besides Boomy. Besides Boomy. I love Boomy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we will see the fallout of Josh's death next week and it feels weird to use that as my transition but i guess until then you can follow us on twitter and instagram at back to podcast shoot us over some emails of any thoughts questions or comments or moments of the week or quotes of the week anything like that uh you can do that at back to podcast at gmail.com that's b-a-c-k-t-o podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate review share subscribe you know do all those kinds of things uh, if you leave us a review, we'll shout you out on the podcast. Those like five stars really help us get seen. They help us, you know, build a community and, you know, we just really appreciate the interaction. We sure do. It makes us smile. Yeah. So, um, until next week from all of us at back to podcast, I am that guy that David was filming that kept getting really pissed off at him. I'm Mr. Man, the inflatable new sleeping tool for Claire. And I'm a poorly timed sneeze. Bye! Bye! See ya!